You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. I'm going to go ahead and start with our new series, our October series. We have titled it Better to Give. Better to Give. And we're, we're drawing a focus to generosity, the importance of generosity in our lives. And uh, we, live, we live in a world that's busy. We live in a world that's, that's uh, you know, active. And when I say world, I mean our culture, our customs right here in America. Praise the Lord. Hashtag America. Um, it's a world of, of, of calendars and, and meetings and appointments and presentations and tests. And we have lists, many lists, digital lists, physical lists, lists on boards, to-do lists, not-to-do lists. Important to have not-to-do lists too. We have budgets, spreadsheets. We have bills, lots of bills. In fact, when you were young, you didn't have any bills. And you looked forward to the time where you would have a bill. So you went to work so you could have a bill. And now you go to work so you can get rid of bills. We all have bills, lots of bills. You know, we value hard work as a culture. We value hard work. To, to the man who has two jobs, we say, boy." To the woman who has broken taboos and has risen the corporate world and been promoted, we say, good job, you go, good for you. To the young professional who works 60 hours a week and his job, we say, good, good job, keep going. You know, we value hard work and we should, we should value hard work. But from time to time, we should just pause. Pause and look at this whole engine that we are a part of. Pause and look at the whole thing that we are engaged in. Just to see what kind of fuel is driving all of it. We need to analyze what's, what's our motivation. What specifically is motivating us to get after it. To, to, to work hard. What's driving us, you know? So this month, we're going to take some time to talk about the fuel in that engine. What's running it? You know, we're going to talk about the thing that, 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 that feeds this go, 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 go routine that we are all in some way a part of. You know, now, I'm going to make one thing clear before I continue because it's important to clarify this. This is not a series about whether or not you should work. This is not a series whether or about whether or not work is valuable, okay? We should value hard work. We should be diligent with everything that God puts in our hands. In fact, I'll throw you some scriptures that will corroborate that because God does not reward laziness. In Proverbs 10 verse 4, we learn this, that a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. You know, this scripture is not saying that everyone who's poor is lazy, all right? It's not that kind, it's not, that's not what it's saying here. It's saying that if you don't work, guess what? It, that causes poverty. Proverbs 12, 27 says this, Lazy people don't even cook the game they catch, but the diligent makes use of everything they find. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, Paul says this, 
For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. So there's no doubt that the scriptures values hard work. And you know what? If you got up on a Sunday morning and you got ready and got in your car to get to this place, I believe you have some drive in you. I believe we're looking at hard workers here, people who, you know, are diligent with what God has given them. And that's why you're here. You're here because you want to seek God. You want to make sure that you are diligent with the gifts and the things that he has placed on the inside of you. And maybe you're going through some challenges and you're looking for some light. You're looking for some hope. You're looking for something that will give you direction or maybe continued sustenance to your soul and your spirit. And that's good. That's part of of. Of that, So I'm excited about this series and I want to just give you a little bit of the concept of the series now. It's the first time in our history as a church that we're doing a whole series on generosity. So that's really exciting. And uh, you know, it, the subject, we've talked about this subject before in, in other messages, but it's the first time that the whole series is going to be dedicated to that. And uh, it'll be about generosity, the importance of centering our lives about this value. And every message will have a, a special focus on finance. Just to give you some light on, on that area as well. Now, this is a topic that's easy to misunderstand, right? There's a lot of noise when it comes to talking about giving in church, uh, especially financial giving. And we want to shed a light on this subject. So throughout this series, we're going to give some clarity on the purpose of giving. The purpose of giving to the church to fund God's kingdom versus giving to a nonprofit organization that does good work like the Red Cross or things like that. Philanthropic organizations, for example. And we'll give some clarity also on tithes versus offerings. What, what is that? Why is that in the Bible? And, uh, and what it means to give to God. Now, if this is your first time here, or maybe somebody invited you, you know, that's when you're nudging them and saying, hey, I thought you told me this is not one of those kind of churches. <laughs> I thought you told me they were cool, man. Or maybe, or maybe you're in the inviter. You know, you're the person who invited and you're thinking, JD, why today? We've had 192 Sundays since you launched. I did the math. 192 messages. And you couldn't wait another week. I got my dad here with me. <laughs> got my husband here with me. And they said that all you guys wanted is my money. And I told them, no, they're different. <laughs> and now you're talking about this. <laughs> uh, maybe you've had bad experiences in the past. Maybe you've heard this subject being dealt or spoken of in a, in a way that it wasn't very honoring it wasn't handled in a way that sit well with you and I get it I mean we get it I'm a third generation pastor and I've witnessed and heard some some horror stories when it comes to this area so I know that that it, it's happened and I've cringed with you so part of, partly why we waited so long to talk about this because obviously we want to establish a, 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 a relationship but you know just do me a favor just don't tune out Okay, don't tune out. If and if uh, uh, if you're, you're you've had those experiences, just don't tune out. We felt impressive, impressed by God to do this series for a few reasons. You know, first reason there are two thousand verses in the scriptures that talk about money. Two thousand verses. 
Which means this, it's kind of comforting, right? Because sometimes we feel like we're the only one dealing with these pressures. Sometimes we feel like we're the only ones that, ha- that have to handle this, this, this pressure in life. And, and here it is, a book that, that's been on the, the, the scriptures, the, the records that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. And they had to deal with it too. They dealt with this conflict and this tension on the inside. Though there's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of wisdom in the scriptures for that. And that's kind of consoling, right? Knowing that people thousands and thousands of years ago dealt with it. Another reason is that last year, in 2017, American households hit a borrowing record. We now... As individuals, I'm not talking about the national debt. I'm talking about individuals. We owe a combined $13 trillion. That's 12 zeros. That's $40,000 to every man, woman, and child in America. You know, that, that means that we have a problem with consumption. There's, there's something in our culture that is driving this machine and is driving us to make certain decisions that we might not see right now. That will have a bad effect on us tomorrow. But we need, we need some light. We need some light from God, from the scriptures in this area. Another reason is because in the Gospels we find that Jesus taught 38 parables that have been recorded in the scriptures. Now guess how many of them were about money? Half. 16 parables that Jesus taught involved money. Why is that? Was Jesus greedy? Was he after people's money? No. He spoke to the thing that could hinder people's growth. He spoke to the thing that, that would cause them to lose their faith. Jesus came to save that which was lost. And he noticed that this is an area of our life that can affect us. And that can cause us to stumble. So I'm excited for this series because generosity is really not about our checkbooks. You know, generosity is about our hearts. Generosity is not about our bank accounts or a sound budget. Giving is a matter of the heart. And our goal for this series is that by the end of it, we all may have decided in our hearts to be givers. In fact, I believe that if I were to ask here, you know, would you rather be a giver or would you rather be stingy? All of you would say, I'd rather be a giver. I want to live as a giver. I want to, I I appreciate generosity. So our goal is that by the end of this series, you'll have a revelation that it is indeed to live, it is indeed better to live a life where you give. It is better to give. So this is the paradox of generosity. See, I believe that if you live a life of generosity, you stand to gain. You're the one who's staying to gain. And this is the the paradox, right? As you live a life of generosity, giving to others, giving uh, of your heart, of your uh, uh, finances as well, you are the one that stands to gain. Even though you have no self-interest, you stand to gain. Generosity is not a dollar amount. Generosity is a spirit. It's not a financial ability. It's a capacity. It's a disposition. See, a person can be poor and be generous, or a person can be poor and be stingy. A person can be rich and be generous, or can be rich and stingy. 
This is what this, the Bible says in uh, Proverbs verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Like I said, I'm convinced that everyone wants to be generous. If you really stop to think about it, you want to be generous. We all appreciate generosity. In fact, I believe we are wired to be generous. Generosity does the body good. Did you know that? Actually, does your physical body good. Time Magazine reported last year a couple of researches that, that was done in generosity. Listen to this. One research suggested that making generosity a regular habit may influence long-term well-being and happiness. Another study showed that older people who are generous tend to have better health. A third research indicated that spending money on others can be as effective at lowering blood pressure as medication or exercise. So in other words, you go to the restaurant, you can order the big steak. Just leave a big tip and it's a wash. <laughs> I don't know if it works that way, but you know, here's the tip. <laughs> Moreover, there's a positive association between helping others and life expect expect expectancy. Perhaps because helping others reduces stress. And sometimes we're so stressed out. And we don't realize that simply helping somebody else can relieve our own life. See, this research confirms that the passage we just read, doesn't it? In a much more literal way. Because sometimes we read the scripture and we go like, yes, those who, have, who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That's another version. I believe the NLT version for the verse we just read. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I get it. You know, somehow what goes around comes around. And this we find in this research that actually in your body, you get the benefit of blessing others. See, generosity is a blessing. Generosity is a blessing. It blesses others and it blesses you. A family who is generous, a family who practices generosity, whose members are generous to each other, is a family filled with harmony. It's a family filled with love. It's a family filled with peace, with forgiveness. A work environment where generosity is valued, is pleasing. It, it, it nurtures loyalty. It nurtures hard work. If you're a leader and if you are a manager of, of, of a division or you lead people, try this. Try to have generosity as a value in your workplace. You will see the change in people's attitude in, in the people that you lead. A marriage where the husband and the wife are committed to being generous to each other is a marriage that has margin. Love can grow. Respect can grow. There is space. There is room. If we are generous, you know, we will find out that generosity is a much better route. It's a much better route to live. You know, if, if there is a sense in us, and we know that, if there's a sense that within us, if we live generously, it's truly a better way to live, then why is it? Why is it that when it comes to doing it, when it comes to action, our world seems to be going the other way? Why is it that it seems like our culture and our values are going in the opposite 
direction. I don't know about you, but I feel like it seems like we're growing more and more aloof, more and more distant, more and more disinterested in other people's success, more and more disinterested in people's progress, and more and more preoccupied with our own. So today I want to focus on this idea of generosity and what may hinder it. Because generosity can only be true in our lives when there is action behind it. Giving can only be true when it's actionable. In fact, in, in James, James was a very practical person. He didn't sugarcoat anything. If you read the book of James, you might need a Band-Aid after. But, uh, or, <laughs> or a little Tylenol. Uh, James 2 verses 15 and 16, he said this, Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? What good is it if we see the need and we do nothing about it? If we recognize it and we do nothing about it? So I want to... I wanna, uh, ask you this what hinders generosity in your heart what is it have you thought about the last time you felt like giving something to somebody else you felt like you needed to extend a hand and you needed to give something what made you freeze on the inside to where you didn't do what you knew you were supposed to do I know it's happened to all of us it's happened to me I'm preaching to myself here this morning I'm in this with you okay what causes us to freeze when we know we're supposed to give when we don't? You know, we don't have to answer out loud, but when was the last time you knew you should give and you didn't? You know, you knew you were supposed to buy the gift. You knew you were supposed to bring that supply to that person. You knew you were supposed to, to write the check. You knew you were supposed to give that money. Now, you don't have to answer out loud. But why? Why didn't it happen? You know, why didn't you do it? Have you thought about what made you freeze? Sometimes we, we don't consider, you know, what's the root cause that causes us to hesitate and take a step back. So I want to share with you this morning three things that can hinder generosity, especially, you know, in our finances. Um, the first one, you might identify with this, fear. You know, some of us here in the room you know, we want to be generous. Maybe you want to be generous, but fear holds you back. You know, you're afraid that if you give away, you might lose it all. You know, so you think, you know what? I don't have that much. What I have is not much. And I barely, I, I'm barely making it. So I, I, this should be somebody else's problem. You know, there's a lot of people that drive better cars than I do. A lot of people that live in better homes than I do. And maybe they should take care of this issue. Maybe it's their problem. You know, you make someone who's not in as much danger, seemingly not in as much danger, responsible for it. Because if you were to help, it could be your demise. This could be the thing, that the last straw that breaks the camel's back. You live in that fear. If you pause to think about it and you look at the pattern, you know, on the surface, it sounds like you just don't have enough. And that's why you can't give. That's why you can't help somebody else. That's why you can't extend a hand. But if you pause and you really look underneath the surface, you might realize that it's not that you have or, or that you lack. The issue is fear. 
You spend it while you have it. That's why when you, as soon as you get that paycheck, as soon as you receive what you, what you were given, you go straight to Target. Because in your heart, you feel this anxiety that if, if you don't spend it on yourself now, you might not have it tomorrow. The money is going to go away. The finances are going to fly away. So as soon as you get it, you got to go buy yourself something. You got to go make sure that, that you make use of it. Because if you don't, you might not have it anymore. There's this fear on the inside that money is going to go away. So you got to spend it now. Maybe this fear is rooted in past experiences. Perhaps you grew up in a household that was under-resourced. Under-resourced in every area. Emotional, spiritual, and financial. And so you have that fear. You carry that fear on the inside. And the little, now you have a little more. Now you look back and you go, I'm not in that place anymore. So I got to hold on to what I have. Because if I don't, I might go back. And I don't want to go back. So I'm going to hold on to what I have. And that's fear, really. You're afraid that if you, if you don't, you're going to pave the way, pave your way back to that place. See, this is what fear tells you. Fear tells you it is irresponsible to give. If I give, I'm being irresponsible because I might lose it all. Giving will make you poor, fear says. If you give it, you will lose it. You might lose it all. So don't give. Fear can make generosity look like irresponsibility. Another hindrance to generosity. It's an obvious one that, you know, living where we live, we get to experience it. And it's greed. Greed is another hindrance to generosity. You know, greed says this, everything is for me. And I'm the one who needs help. And the solution to my every problem is this. More. That's the solution to my problems. I need more. I want more. And when I have more, maybe you'll give some. But I'm not there yet because I need more. Priority number one is to get. What is mine is mine and no one can touch it. And greed bleeds because it begins to affect your faith. It begins to affect your sense of fulfillment. And you, you might stop and, and, and realize, man... I, I'm further away from what was two years ago, three years ago. I have more now, but it seems like it's not enough. It seems like to get to where I need to go, I need even more. So this is what happened to a man in the, in the Bible who is described simply as the rich young ruler. He was a rich young man who approached Jesus and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, I want in. I want part of this amazing life, this everlasting life that you offer. Eternal life in the, in the uh, Gospels doesn't necessarily speak of the afterlife. The understanding was a more comprehensive than simply the afterlife. It was God's kingdom right here, right now. The completeness of, of His kingdom in, in our lives today. And that's what he was saying. I want in. So Jesus told him, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not break false witness. Honor, honor your father and mother. And the, and the man said, all these I have kept. I've done these things from my youth. In other words, he was saying, Jesus, I'm already a good person. You don't understand. I am faithful. I value life. I have integrity. 
I am loyal and truthful, and I honor my parents. I already do all these things. I'm a good person. But still, there's something missing. There's something missing. And this is what Jesus said. Luke chapter 18, verses 20 through 23. One thing you lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. And you will have a treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. He couldn't do it. Why he couldn't do it? He was attached to it. And this is what greed does to us. Greed will tell you this. Your greater good is you. You are your greater good, and you can give as long as it's to yourself. You can give to yourself. Why would you work so hard just to give things away? That's what greed says. Greed says giving is a waste. you got to keep it all to yourself. It's all for your consumption. Third thing that might be hindering uh, generosity. Are you with me today? This is good stuff, right? Yeah? All right. Giving you some tools today. Giving you some tools. Third thing is this, lack of trust. Maybe you've been betrayed in this area before, right? Maybe somebody has taken advantage of you, and that's why you're shielded. That's why you, you don't give. It's not because you don't want to. It's because there's no trust. And you're not going to put yourself in that position again because it was painful and it was hurtful. And now you hold back. You know, maybe growing up, everyone took advantage of you. You know, maybe you were gullible and you were innocent when you were young. And this I am definitely preaching to myself. <laughs> maybe you believed in every offer that was out there. <laughs> you were filled with that, with that sense of, of, whoa, this is awesome. This is amazing. Maybe you were impressionable, right? You were the one dialing the 1-800 number before the announcer said, wait, there's more. Like, I don't care if there's more. I just, I'm, I'm satisfied with this right now. I'm calling and ordering this thing right now. And then you got it and it wasn't as good. Maybe you were the one buying the $1,200 vacuum that can, that can just pull out all the dead skin from your mattress. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had anybody knocking on your door asking you for that. But, you know, they do the whole presentation and... Look, you can, you can suck that skin out of your mattress. And before you can realize that you could just wash the sheets, you know. You could just wash the sheets. <laughs> you, you buy the vacuum. <laughs> but on a more serious note, maybe there was some misfortune. Maybe you've lost a lot because you, you placed trust in somebody that wasn't worthy of your trust. And now you're guarded. You guard it in your heart. And you think, you know what, if it's not about the money, then I won't give it anyways. I'm just going to hold it. I'm going to hold from giving. And, you know, God looks at the heart, not at the wallet. So I'm not going to give. I'm going to hold back. I'll give my time. I'll give my talent. I'll give a cup of sugar and a dozen eggs, but not my money. Nobody going to uh, touch my money because I don't trust anybody with it. See, giving is risky. That's what this trust says. Giving is too risky. 
because I might get hurt again. Generosity is unsafe. See, I don't know where you are here today. You might be like the young rich ruler who, you know, you might not be as rich as him, but you might, you might, you might think, I, I can't really part ways with what I have. Maybe, you know, you're, you, there's fear in your heart. Or maybe, you know, there's lack of trust. But I want to encourage you in, with the fact that Jesus took the first step. God took the first step. And he has shown us a model of generosity that we can not only learn from, but we can trust. We can give ourselves to him. This is what the scripture says in John 3.16. This is a well-known scripture. You probably heard it multiple times, but maybe you haven't heard in this light. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Notice the connection between love and generosity. Love gives. God so loved the world that he gave. He's a generous God. And when he saw you where you are, when you saw you in your situation, when you saw you through the continuum of time in your plight, in your struggle, he thought, I'm going to bring him the solution. Now, he didn't bring you goods or money alone. He didn't bring you provision and health alone. He gave you his own son. The best he had. He offered you and I. Love gives. God gave his son as, a, as an answer. As an answer. And Jesus is an example of God's greatest gener that great generosity. It's the greatest thing that God could give. He gave for you and I. So here's a, a, a little bit of a, 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 an encouragement for you to, to help against those hindrances. You know, I'm going to read a passage out of 2 Corinthians just to shed some light on, on these things that, that might be holding you back from giving freely. Here's what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 12. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having an all-sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely, and He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Notice that. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. There's a few things in this passage. First, God wants you to abound. God doesn't want you to lack. He doesn't want you to stay stuck where you are. He doesn't want you to live afraid, live afraid with lack of trust, to, to be bound by greed. He wants you to have 
all things and all sufficiency to be generous in every way, to be free. This is a matter of freedom. Freedom in your heart. Freedom to just be who you have called, been called to be. Second thing, if you notice there, the scripture says that God supplies the seed that you are meant to sow. That means that inside every fruit of your labor, to keep with the analogy here, inside every fruit of your labor, there's a seed. Now a fruit, I don't know if you've, if you've tasted a fruit, if you've eaten a fruit with a seed inside, it's not as tasteful as if you remove the seed. The seed has a purpose. The seed is meant to be given. It's not meant to be consumed. And inside every fruit that you receive, there is a seed. So here is another step that you can take. And you can ask God. You know, ask God, what part of this fruit is a seed, God? And who should I give it to? Who should I bless with the fruit that you have given me? Who in, uh, around my life, in my life, that I can be a blessing to? Who is it? And God will speak to you. He will direct you. He will bring a situation to light that you might not have been aware of. And he will bring that to light so that you can be a blessing to somebody. Inside every fruit, there's a seed that is meant to be given. And we are meant to be givers and, and sowers. The third thing that we notice is this. Generosity, giving, it's ultimately not about the money. It really isn't. It's about a spirit of thanksgiving. It's a spirit in our heart that says, you know what, God? You have given me. You have blessed me. And I'm going to be a channel of blessing to somebody else. Somebody needs something. I'm there to be a solution. Maybe I can't solve their entire problem, but I can refresh them. Maybe I can't just take them away from their situation, but I can make their lives a little bit better. I cannot do it all, but I can do something. And in it, there is thanksgiving to God. In it, you bring not only glory to God, but you share of, of, of the peace and, and, and the love that you have in your heart. Overflowing in many thanksgivings to God, the scripture says. It's really a matter of the heart. It really is. And you will realize this, that the more you are aware of it, the more God will give you opportunities to give. And here's a principle for you. When you give, give unto God. Don't give unto that person that you're giving to. You know, I used to, when I was younger, I used to be very, um, what's a, a good word, suspicious of people who ask for money on stoplights. When we lived in Texas, there was a lot of that around the area that we worked. And I would always think, man, some people come to this country you know, they, they, they hustle. They not only feed themselves, but they go and feed their family back home. You know, and then I would be judgmental in my mind. Just in the back of my mind, I would think those things and go like, you know what? This guy just needs, needs to go to work. And, and especially since, you know, there was recently when, when around that time, there was a report around that. And, you know, there was, it brought a lot of sentiments. But then I felt convicted in my heart. You know, I felt convicted in my heart because Jesus himself said, if anybody asks you for your cloak, give him also your tunic. You know, just give freely. Don't be, don't be attached to your things. So now, you know, when I see somebody asking, if I have any cash, I'll just give it. I'll just give it. If I have anything, I'll give it. And I'll say, God, I give it unto you. I don't know that person. I don't know what they're going to do with the money. 
but let me be a blessing in their lives. And, and that changed my heart. Not only am I able to connect to, to those people, but I'm, I pray for them in my heart. There's a change in my perspective. You know, I'm not judging them. And this is just a small example. But in my heart, I'm saying, God, help them find a better life. And if I can talk to them, I do. You know, it's just a simple example, a small example. But what is it and who is it in your life that you might need to look at with a different light? And may I challenge you that generosity might be the avenue for a change of heart. The action of giving will change your heart. C.S. Lewis said this, if you want to love somebody, act as though you love them and love will follow. If you act as though you love someone, you will come to love them. And a lot of love is connected to giving, as we saw uh, in the scriptures. Love gives. So let me ask you again. What fuels this whole thing that we we're a part of? What, fuel, what fuels your hard work? Is there anybody else in mind? Is there anybody else that is part or involved? Is it for anybody else's benefit? Or is it all for you? You might say, J.D., you don't understand. I have to look out for myself. I have to look out for number one. It's a jungle out there, J.D. If I don't, I'll be devoured. You don't understand, man. If you came to my work, if you did what I do, you would understand. I have, I have to. There's a better way to live. We're not meant to live in fear. We're not meant to live greedy or distrusting everybody and everyone we're meant to live with open hands freely and I promise you that God will stand by his word as you find ways to bless others you will be refreshed he will come into your life he will not only provide for your finances but he will provide for your soul you will feel a kind of freedom that will take you beyond where you are. Do you receive it this morning?